I want to welcome all our campuses joining us online today. And we are in this series, Misfit Community. We've been talking about how Jesus, from 2,000 years ago to today, has been building this community of people that don't always seem to fit together in our world. And today we're talking about God's heart for a diverse misfit community. That God's heart has been to build a family out of all different ethnicities and nations. Because we are all created in his image, which means we can't understand fully his image without understanding the diversity he created us in. You know, that's why in the Old Testament, 500 times God speaks to all the nations. That's always been on his heart. That's why the very first church, right after Jesus' crucifixion, is born out of many nations. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because they heard their own language being spoken. See, God birthed the very first church of Jesus Christ intentionally out of a diversity of nationalities. Of course, not everybody was represented there, but God's ultimate dream for his church is that. And we see a picture in heaven, Revelation chapter 7. It says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, before Jesus. Now, it may feel like ethnic diversity is a politically charged subject in our culture today, but today I want you to raise your eyes above Okay, raise your eyes above the news, above the politics, and see what the heart of God has always been. He's trying to build a very diverse family because we were all created in his image to be his family. Now, the truth is there always have been struggles, injustices, inequities, because human nature is flawed. We're sinful, we're broken, we're, we're self-centered or my culture-centric, and evil plays on that to try to steal, kill, and destroy and, and divide us. But God has a plan, and you're part of that plan if you so choose. And it doesn't mean that it won't be without difficulties. You know, even that early church had racial, ethnic struggles from the beginning. That's good for us to remember, isn't it? We're gonna have to work through stuff. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, right after the church is formed, it says the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. And, and inequity based on racial-ethnic divide starts right from the beginning. But here's the deal. They didn't ignore it. They dove in and they worked through it together. And of course, that's what we have to do as well. And that means sometimes admitting you're wrong. You know, uh, Galatians chapter 2, Paul has to rebuke Peter because he was giving in to ethnic pressure be because of, of, uh, and causing division. It says in Galatians 2, but when Peter came to Antioch, I, Paul, had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. What'd he do? Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism of the Jews. So this is not coming without hard work and, and hard conversations, and we'll all make mistakes. I mean, Peter did, which means we have to have a humble willingness to let God teach us and change us and correct us along the way. Now, today, we are not focusing on what's wrong in our country. There's plenty. We're not going to solve that today. 
Today we're focusing on what God has and always is trying to do among us as his church. And so today you're going to hear, the, most of the message is going to be from a, a group of diverse people on our staff and our longtime leaders here at Gateway sharing about their ethnic culture and what they see God doing among us. Why is that important? Well, because the truth is we all have an ethnic culture, every one of us, and there are good things, beautiful things about it that align with God's will, but there are also things that don't align with God's will about every ethnic culture and, and the way we were brought up. Understanding that then helps us cooperate with God in what he's doing. So, for instance, I grew up in white culture. Now, I can't represent everyone who's white, just as the people on this panel can't represent everyone uh, from their ethnic background. But I grew up and, and, and really appreciated many things about my white culture. I, I grew up with a you can do it, we believe in you kind of mentality. It was pretty individual-centered, like, you know, about me. But I got great things from it. I got a strong work ethic, uh, a, a, an idea that I can take responsibility. And I'm empowered to be able to take responsibility. And I felt that, that I could accomplish a lot. And that was highly valued in, in the culture I grew up in. But here's the deal, honestly, I didn't even know I had a culture until Kathy and I moved to Russia for a year. And we had to go through cross-cultural training to go there, which tried to help us see you do have a culture. You're going to experience things that are different. Different's not always bad. But nothing could prepare us, you know, for what it was like to be plunged into another language, another alphabet, uh, a different mores of how things were done. And quite honestly, it was exhausting. I mean, we were worn out every day for about six months. And some things initially just felt wrong about the other culture. You know, like, like the inefficiency of Russian culture back then. Now, Russia's changed a lot since then. But this is post-communism. And, you know, in, our, in our, my white American culture, if you only got 10 to 15 things done in a day, that was a bad day, right? If you got three things done in a day in Russian culture, that was a great day. And that really bothered me at first. Now, as a result, Russians put higher value on family and relationship than just getting things done. But it caused tension for us. So initially, you know, we would invite Russians over for dinner, and we're thinking white American culture dinner, like come at six, leave at eight, maybe nine. They'd come at three and leave at midnight. We're like, what? How are we going to get anything done? And at first, it really bothered me but over the course of that year, here's what I started to see. I started to see the good of my own cultural upbringing that I missed and was in line with God. And then I started to see that there are some things in Russian culture actually more in line with God's will, like prioritizing family and relationship and like hospitality and, and, and like not being so individualistic all the time. And that's the value of considering and learning from other ethnic cultures. So we can understand our own better, the good and the not so good, and so we can cooperate with what God's doing. So today, most of the message is going to be listening uh, to this panel of our staff and, and longtime leaders here at Gateway, and we have it subtitled as well, because you might not realize this, but there are more deaf people in Austin than there are college students, and we have this growing community of deaf people among us we're so excited about. So we're going to watch uh, this panel discussion we recorded early, earlier this week, and I want you to think about this. Not what 
is said that's right or wrong, in my opinion, but what is God trying to do through me to build his dream? Well, why don't we start, just tell us a little bit about what was it like to grow up in your ethnic background? I'll kick it off. So I was born in Long Beach, California, and I primarily lived with my mom at that time. And I'm one of those kids that got to check two boxes when it came to the race card. Uh, so my dad is black and my mom is Mexican. And when we moved to Texas, um, I pretty much was just isolated in my Hispanic bubble, you know, and like a lot of Hispanic families, we like to party. Um, you know, so there was lots of fajitas and drinking beer and, uh, you know, it just a very social group. Um, on my dad's side of the family, it was the same. It just looked a little different. We were playing different music. My grandmother was in the kitchen and she's cooking your traditional soul food. You come over on Sundays after church and she's got a feast going. Yeah. And it wasn't really until later on in life that I got a chance to see other cultures. Um, and primarily I'll just say white cultures um, until high school when I started playing sports and becoming friends with people that were not the same race as me. And now they're inviting me over to their house and I'm seeing how they live, which I'm like, it's not how my family made it seem. And it's not what it looks like on TV. Um, and so I started to shape my own views of what different backgrounds could look like. So I was really immersed in a diverse community from the very beginning with my dad being in the military. Um, and at one point, um, before he retired, we were uh, stationed at an Air Force Base in Oklahoma. And in that particular city, they had a church school bus that on Sundays would go and round up all the kids and bring them to church. And I think that was such a good experience for me because I also got to experience diversity at church and what it was um, like to be with other people worshiping the same God and that we had commonalities. So you had that growing up. Yes. That's great. Wow. Allianz? Uh, yes. I, I was born in Burundi and then grew up in Burundi. And then <clears throat> to, uh, by, uh, when I was um, uh, in high school, I had a bad experience because I was being persecuted by the government and then because tell, tell a little, I mean it was an incredibly oppressive government right? yes yes and, yes and in high school you led a group standing up against some yes. of the injustices happening yes yes because we're trying to build to try to uh, to help the country to be united because in Burundi we have Hutu and Tutsi and then yeah. this been going for a while. So it's the same, the same thing that happened in Rwanda. Yes. But it's happening in Burundi. Yes. The and then Hutu our group we tried to tell the government to avoid that and the government was not happy about it and tried to persecute us. And that's why I was being persecuted and then tortured and led to the river there. And then that's where I was flee my country to seek my, uh, an asylum here in the U.S. So coming here in the U.S. was very... Hang on just a second. Just in case you didn't catch that, he just said persecuted, tortured, and left for dead by a river. Yes. Yeah, by, by a... Yeah, and left for the alligators to eat. Right. 
right. and, uh, and, and sought asylum and came uh, to Austin yes. as a refugee. Right, uh, right, 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 asylum. right. So when I came here, when I was, I didn't know anybody and I couldn't speak English at all and to come a new country. So to, to come in this kind of particular way, uh, but it was really very different for me because I had, because every person I meet in that process really felt welcome here in America. So because I couldn't speak English at all, but I was amazed to every person I meet, really tried to understand me, even I couldn't speak English. And then that experience feel welcome here in the US. Wow, it's amazing. And it, it just, just reminds you that Culturally, so uh, Alliance, you were a Christian. Yes, I grew up in a Christian family. Yeah, um, and black, yes. but completely different culture and completely different experience. Definitely, you yes. know, from from most people in our country. Right? Yes. Yeah. Who's next? I'll I'll go. I was a little bit like like Raf. I kind of grew up um, in a multicultural home, even in a Latin context. So I have a dad who is a Boricua, Puerto Rican. Uh, very New Yorkian, and then I have a mom who's Mexican-American, but she's pura raza. So what that means is like these two strong cultures coming together. And so I grew up trying to figure things out within my own Latin context before trying to figure out the rest of the world. Because in our Latin context, which people sometimes don't understand, is there are white, brown, black people in the Latin diaspora, Right. And so I had a black grandmother and a white grandfather, all, but they all speak Spanish. And yet when I interacted with the rest of the world, we were all Mexican. Both my parents ended up going to college and that kind of stuff. So we had this, there was this hope in my generation of cousins that you guys have to make it count for the rest of us. Some um, pressure. Some pressure for sure. Uh, but in the middle of that, we were very proud of our culture. Very proud of who we were, even though most of my cousins and I come from a, we would consider a multi-ethnic Latino context. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's a definitely a rich heritage I'm proud of. I can share next. Um, so I grew up as a child of immigrants. And so my parents came to the States with the clothes on their back and a couple dollars in their pocket. And they lived on the floor and they tried, they roughed it out. My dad's first job was at McDonald's and that's how he provided for my family. And so growing up as a child of immigrants, we were very proud of our culture. Um, we are very strong, proud Indian family, very traditional in a lot of ways. We wore traditional clothes. I actually didn't grow up speaking English, so I didn't know any English before I went to school, and that was quite an experience. And so I remember being overwhelmed, right, because I think I, I had never really been out of my family's bubble at that point. I had only spoken Malayalam. I'd only been eating our Indian food, and then all of a sudden, I'm eating this, like, potato thing, you know, like I was so confused at the food that they put before me and then the things they were telling me, you know, and one of the things I noticed really immediately in my experience um, 
going into school was that I was one of the only people of color and I was treated pretty differently. Like there's just no way I can physically blend in. And so a lot of it was even just learning English very quickly, trying to pick up American accents very quickly, trying to um, not like one of the huge fights I had really early on with my family was I don't want to bring Indian food to school anymore. Like I'm tired of this. I would rather you just give me some money so I can buy lunch at the cafeteria because I'm tired of sticking out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was just little, um, little things like that, that I chose to do along the way to try to assimilate rather than embrace who I am and who my family was. Well, I, I can share real quick too. I grew up um, here mostly in Texas, but I was actually born in Austria. Most people don't know that. Not a military background. I know a lot of people like to ask that, but uh, we came over to the States pretty quickly. I have a twin brother and I think a lot of my experience growing up here in, uh, not Austin, in Dallas, actually, uh, is just this sense of in-betweenness, uh, occupying almost a, a liminal space where, yeah, my parents are ethnically Chinese. We have a culture that really is is strong and powerful. We love it. We love our food. And I mean, I, I remember even Thanksgiving, sometimes we'd have the big turkey and then we'd have fried rice next to it. And you know, I, I love fried dumplings, so I always want the extra crispy, right? But on top of that, it was negotiating identity was, was a big thing for me when I was growing up. And I can really relate to what Lisa was saying just there around the assimilation. It's, it's almost you don't even have language for it, but in your bones, you know that I got to hide a part of myself or I got to try to somehow blend in. And I think that actually showed up in a lot of ways. Um, that was just destructive for myself. It created this kind of almost like self-hatred and hatred of my own people at times because I wanted to blend in so much. And I mean, it, it has taken years to kind of unwork that. And it's been amazing. I wouldn't, you wanna, I, I wouldn't change it, but I also wouldn't w wish it on anybody else, right? Because these formative years have created who I am. It's forged me into who I am. And I think the tack that I've really taken these days is just to really embrace the sense of God's reshaping these negotiated identities, right? Like, yes, I'm Chinese. Yes, I'm also American. But God's creating something beautiful between the two. So let me ask you guys, you know, because we, we're trying to look at what Scripture says and, and you know, just talked about the, this place where God can bring a family together from every ethnicity, right? Where you can belong and then together we can heal, grow, and lead others to, to follow Christ. So from your perspective, what has helped you come to Gateway and, and stay and feel like you could belong and you could heal and grow and lead? Or, or what have you heard from others? It's been helpful. I think for me, I grew up in Southeast Texas and I originally grew up Muslim. And so when I came here, first of all, I walked into a movie theater, which was a little weird to begin with. But then the other part of it was, is that there was an openness, right? To be able to say, just wherever you're at, start. Just start exploring and figure it out. And so then you go meet a couple of people and then you meet some other ones. And then I did the first men's retreat we ever did down at the ranch. And then you felt like I can ask something and not feel judged. I can ask something and somebody will say, well, Maybe you need to look at it from this point of view, right? And so the ability 
to be able to explore is an important part of why I came to Gateway. And I felt like I was sitting in the back just waiting for somebody to acknowledge me. And that was the thing, right? Is that I, you know, as a person who's trying to fit in, and even in the early days of Gateway, we weren't as diverse as we are now. It was just like, if somebody will acknowledge me, I'll stay. There's a second part of that, right? There's the invitation, but then there's a pursuit of the individual, right? And that's what happens. A lot of times we do get invited in because maybe we're, you know, certain color. But what we're, what we're looking for is pursue me for who I am and what I bring to the table, yeah. right? And so it's that second part that I think is the most important. I would say similar to Aman, um, my first experience of feeling like this, was, this place was for me was being invited to a men's retreat. What I saw and what I experienced was really the culture lived out where I saw grown men bawling, you know, of all different backgrounds. I specifically remember one guy bawling his eyes out. And I'm wondering who's this dreadhead black dude who's looking rough. But it was not necessarily just him. It was the men that were around him that were crying with him that looked all different colors. I remember a guy named Jorge bawling with him. Mm. I remember Stephen Mary mm. bawling with him. White guy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It was, that was so this community of diversity, but, but connected at the heart. And it was genuine. Yeah. Like you can't manufacture, you can tell somebody I love you. It's another level to sit there and ball with somebody because you are empathizing to empathize, yeah. on a human level. Yeah. And, and truly, this is my brother that I'm mm. sitting with. I don't care what he looks like. And isn't that, doesn't that have to be what Jesus meant when he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one? You know, that, that sense of connectedness that I care about you, I can hear and listen and empathize, and we, we're not alone anymore. The other thing that I would add to that um, that's been really critical about my experience here at Gateway is our posture of um, willingness to try and to fail and to keep trying. I just have found that to be so beautiful over and over again. It's this posture of teachability and humility that we have in engaging in things that we may not know how to do well, but we're still willing to try. And for me, that was the embodiment of our faith, right? It's putting to feet and to action the things we believe. We're willing to have the hard conversations. Yeah, and I, I think like that picture can be just so difficult to live into, right? Because sometimes when we talk about unity, it's kind of this thing that, oh, we just arrive at it, right? And, and here it is. But to actually have true unity takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of practice and stumbling over each other and sometimes even stepping on each other's toes. But true unity is the work of what God calls us towards, right? This, this picture of a diverse misfit community. And oftentimes, I think, especially in our cultural moment, it's easy to almost like stiff arm it and say, well, I don't want to be a part of that. It's too complex. Uh, I'm afraid of getting canceled. And we need a community that says, well, we're not going to cancel each other. We're going to try. We'll make mistakes. Yeah. But let's work out forgiveness and reconciliation in the real and be in relationship as we partner towards. Yeah, yeah because I think there's a, um, there's, a, there's a fear even of doing it wrong so we don't do it right. 
And, and instead, the scriptures tell us, you know, no, you're, you're going to hurt each other when you sin against one another. Here's what you do. Matthew 18, you go to the person, you talk it through. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to start understanding that we are one in Christ, right? What is it from Galatians 3.28? There is no Jew nor Gentile, nor you know, slave nor free, nor man nor woman, right? We are all one in Christ. But that doesn't mean we're not going to say wrong things to each other. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to offend you or you or you. But, but it also means that it's okay to, for me to be able to say, I made a mistake or for you to come and say, you know what? You did something wrong. Can we just talk our way through it? To me, that was one of the things for me, just in my first 15 months of being here is this community really listens. You know, I, this, there's, it's a community that listens. And when you listen, you get filled with grace um, and you give the same grace that was given to you. And I think what Amon said, you know, the, the Galatians 3.28 verse, uh, you know, we are one in Christ. You know, there, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, ethnic division. Well, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean there aren't ethnicities. It means that there is something that unites us that's greater mm -hmm. than the things that the evil one would use to divide us. And when we start to see that our differences are a part of our, of our unique unity in Christ, and we can celebrate those, you know, then, I, then you start to realize that, you know, my white culture alone does not represent God. Like, and if I don't, if I'm not willing to wrestle with that, you know, he created Indian culture and Chinese culture, you know, and, and Hispanic culture and black culture. And he, he loves the diversity. And so until I wrestle with that, I'm not really willing to wrestle with God and what, what he's about. Right. We're still a learning community. We haven't figured it all out, but what I've loved about especially our leadership is there's a willingness to engage to have the hard conversations and now more than ever we're able to actually say let's let's practice this humility that we see in jesus right one thing that i want to just say out loud is you know for a person of color to actually say that to another person who may be representing majority white culture it's it's this act of trust, right? Yeah. This act of relationship. I'm bringing something to you rather than just voting with my feet and walking away, you know? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really important thing yeah. is to realize because, because the, the easiest way out is I'm out. Right. 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 And, and I think that's a very important thing for us as a community is to realize that um, evil is pitted against us to divide us. And God is trying to build a, a family of a diverse group of people, which means, you know, pseudo community is, is when you just pretend like everything's fine. We have no differences. You know, a marriage like that is pretty shallow. But, but when you start to recognize, no, we do have differences. How are we going to work through this? How are we going to unite even with our, with our differences. And the beauty of the differences is that we are given an opportunity in those differences 
to learn from a different perspective, right? And to take on the burdens of another and to take on the beauties of another, right? So one of the verses that we talk about a lot around here is we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. And that's not just a, a pithy saying that we say around here. We, we actually mean it. We want to cry with you as Raph was sharing before. Like we, we feel what you're feeling and we want to carry that burden together. And we will celebrate with you all the beautiful things that you're experiencing. And that's growth. That doesn't just happen. Yeah. You have to, you have to grow into that. Yeah. And so, you know, you might be going, well, like, that, that's just not me. Well, it wasn't me either. <laughs> yeah. And you have to be in relationship, right? You can't just do that devoid of relationship. You can't, you, if you don't know someone, you don't know how they're mourning. You don't know what to celebrate, right? But with relationship, in the context of relationship, we can be able to actually mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. I don't want to be the staff person who's your verse, but for me, it's, it was a foundational verse for me when I gave my life to Christ when I was in college. And it was out of James chapter one. And that is a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And you don't usually use that to ascribe to our conversation, but it really does impact everything you do. And sometimes as people of color, we have to recognize that we're double-minded because we're trying to assimilate. Where are we going to be ourselves? Where are we going to lose part of ourselves? And I, I remember going through that as a 20-something year old in college, like, how, what does double-minded mean for me? And in some ways it was, am I going to follow Jesus, not follow Jesus? Am I going to be, you know, respectful for my parents, not respectful? And it, it's grown, but that verse has grown in my journey because now as a person who leads, who has children who are biracial, if I listen to the culture every day, I will be unstable in all my ways. If I listen to the news four hours a day, I'm going to be unstable in all my ways. If I listen to everything on social, and I, it, it grounds me that who am I in Christ? And that thought, I need to line up everything else to that. And that stability that I find from following Jesus, as opposed to just the amount of voices that come at us as, as people in general. One of my favorite verses is in the Roman, when... Uh, I think I believe in Roman four where we call like God our, our Abba Father. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my favorite verse I try to meditate on it. It's like I am if I call God my really father. That's maybe I try to learn my identity in Christ, identity in God. Because if it's my really father, I will always believe, I will see everyone here, even my community, that we are family. I love that because it's a gift, right? Like we get to actually see more of God's facets and God's characteristics through ourselves, yeah. through this community. Just so you know, as you're watching, we met for about an hour before we started recording to just talk through and pray together. And we all agreed uh, one conversation isn't going to change the world. It never does, but it does move our world forward. And so as we do that, um, we want to acknowledge that nobody watching today lives at Gateway 24 hours a day. Nobody on staff here lives here. So I wanted to ask some of our panelists who are not on staff, what is, what is a piece of advice, a piece of wisdom you would have for those watching and those on staff that you live out as you engage the other, whatever the other looks like in your perspective in the world? Because everybody here is going to leave and go out into a real world. We're supposed to love one another. And I think in part of loving one another, it's like 
love one, we're to love one another, not love one another if. So that's another good check. It's like, you know, it's not love one another if they look like you, if they live in your neighborhood, if they like the same. It's love one another. It's a command. It's not, he didn't ask us. I think the, the wisdom that I've found is to be intentional about being uncomfortable. Mm. Um, the biggest growth points in my life have come when I am completely uncomfortable. Homelessness, right? Extremely uncomfortable talking to homeless people because my experience in, in running bars downtown was always that they were a nuisance or they were causing trouble. It wasn't until somebody invited me to go serve the homeless multiple times because I was like, nah, that's not my ministry. But what I learned in that space changed everything for me because now this is a child of God in front of me and God loves them just as much as he does me. Something that you brought up earlier today, you know, prior to this is still sitting heavy with me and that God loves Derek Chauvin too. And as hard as that is for me to swallow, that is true. And we have to be okay with being uncomfortable, even with our own feelings. Hey, I just want to acknowledge, Raph, what you said about discomfort is, was, is profound. I've thought about it many times that in my life where whenever I felt like somebody didn't understand it, my goal with it was is to make them uncomfortable, right? Because if they're uncomfortable, maybe they'll understand what's going on with me. But instead, what I needed to do was live in my own discomfort and work through that, right? And figure out what God's trying to tell me. I grew up in Houston when Houston was not diverse. It was monolithic. <laughs> and, um, and honestly, I, I grew up with racist people all around me. There was a lot of growing and changing that God had to do in me over the years. And it was decades of growing and changing. And there was a lot of discomfort in that. But what I had to come to was, um, this is something I know, but if God's trying to lead me to somewhere that I don't know, am I willing to push into that and go there? It took a lot. It took living in another, being a foreigner, you know, in a foreign country. It took working with inner city churches in Chicago and just starting to understand worlds that I had never been a part of and trying to relate. It's still a journey, right? But I think that's a, a wise point too. If we're not willing to allow ourselves to be in discomfort, then we're saying we're not going to grow. And that's what I love about this community is that we're not, we're not okay with not growing. You know, we say no perfect people allowed because we all still have to grow, right? And that's what God's doing among us. And I hope you got a glimpse of that. I hope that inspires and encourages you like it does me. God's doing something among us. We're not done. We've got a long way to go. But it's the hope of the world. God's dream for people is the hope of the world. So how can you and I 
continue to cooperate with what God's doing in building this diverse, misfit community among us. Let me give you a couple things to think about. First, be open uh, to God growing and healing me. Okay, be open to God growing and healing me. Because here's the deal. You can't change another human heart. But if you allow God to change your human heart, the, the impact that has on a ripple effect of people is amazing. You know, laws can protect people, but only people changing at the heart can actually change what's wrong. That's God's plan. So can we be open? Can you pray? Can we pray, God, show me where I need to heal or show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to change perspective so I can cooperate with what you're trying to do here among us at Gateway and in our world around here. And then second uh, is listen empathetically. You know, think about this. There's nothing you can do to love a person more than actually taking interest in them to listen deeply, to try to understand the other, to put yourself in their shoes. That, that is an act of love. So can we just try to do that for each other and especially those that we might not initially relate to? And then third, value and encourage and empower others. You know that problem the early church had in Acts chapter six? It was a predominantly Hebrew church in Jerusalem and yet you know what they did? They empowered the Gentile the Greek believers to solve the problem. You know, Stephen and the other names you see of the seven appointed, they're all Greeks. And so even think about that. How can we invite a diversity of people in to volunteer, to solve problems, to lead as a part of our church? And then lastly, reach a diversity of people. You know, the last thing Jesus said is go to all nations and, and demonstrate how much God loves them. And, and invite them into a place where they can explore faith and find faith and then together where we can grow and we can heal and we can become this beautiful, diverse community that God, that will one day be in heaven, but God wants us to see more and more right here on earth. Well, let's pray together and then, and then we're gonna listen to a song more about God's dream. And as we hear this song, I want you to think, okay, Lord, what am I gonna do? What do you want me to do? to be a part of building your dream. Let's pray. God, you've always been about this because we are created in your image. All of us, a diversity of us. There's something about our differences even coming together as one that shows exactly what your image is like. And so God, help us not to get caught up in the things that push us apart. Help us keep our eyes on you. Help us listen to you and, and care about one another the way you care about us. And Lord, we invite you to continue to do your work to build this beautiful, diverse family among us. In Jesus' name, amen.